Today's breathcast guest is Diana Medina, and she works for the Holotropic Institute, and she is a holotropic breathwork practitioner and teacher, and just an all-around beautiful, lovely human. Uh, I've just had the, the pleasure of having a conversation with Diana for the last hour, and in this podcast, you're going to learn all about what is holotropic breathwork, what, what's it doing, where did it come from, who's the person that invented it. What does the future of holotropic breathwork look like? And a load of other wonderful things that we had a conversation about. So I'm really excited to share this, this podcast. It felt like a real a real gift and an opportunity to have this conversation with a person that just every now and again, you have a conversation, somebody's just got like a healing energy about them. You know, just a caringness, just something that you just feels like just a really safe pair of hands. And um, Diana actually is a, in a medical background profession as well. So that kind of makes a bit of sense there. She's just giving something off where it's like, you can take care of me. Um, so, so what wonderful, wonderful uh, time to, to have this conversation with everything that's going on uh, around us. So I really hope you enjoy it. A uh, couple of quick messages before we just get stuck in. So um, you've probably heard this many times by now, but please, if you can, if you haven't subscribed and you can subscribe, that would be incredible. Um, if you could uh, hit that, I need to smash, I hate saying smash the like button. If you could gently tap the like button, um, it just shows YouTube that you've enjoyed it. If you can leave a comment, it does the same thing and it just means it's more likely then to be shown to more people. So that would be really appreciated. And then the very last thing is we've got over a hundred different breathing exercise videos now in our back catalog on the YouTube channel. Um, so uh, if you want to go and have a, a, a play, if you want to go and enjoy some of the gentle breath work or do something a bit more spicy and go and have a look at that and the last thing I will say because I keep forgetting to mention on every one of these um, we have an Instagram channel it's looking pretty sad right now um, so if you want to go over there to Instagram there is the plan to put a lot more content on there um, so it's uh, takeadeepbreath.co.uk that's the actual uh, sign on so if you want to go over there and, uh, and do that that'd be great anyway let's get stuck into the breath cast cheers So, so Diana, welcome to Take a Deep Breath's Breathcast. I'm so, so happy that you said yes and you've given me some of your precious time. So how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you, Mike, for the invitation. I'm really happy to be here with your listeners. Yeah, wonderful. And uh, I'm really looking forward to understanding a bit more about holotropic breathing because really I know very, very little. I've heard the term. It's, it's quite a famous term in the breathwork circles, but I really know very little. So I think before we get stuck into all that great stuff, could we maybe start maybe just a bit with yourself, um, how you got involved with it, what you do, all that sort of stuff would be wonderful. A little introduction. You bet. Um, in my everyday life, before I started holotropic breathwork, I practiced Western medicine. I worked in pediatrics then, and now I work in family practice. And I came to holotropic breathwork breath for my own inner work. Um, at the time, I was in my, I was actually 30, and I had a, a big loss. My father died, and I was in a bit of trouble. I mean, emotionally, um, and a friend of mine recommended holotropic breathwork. I knew nothing about it. I read nothing about it. I just went to a small workshop and um, it was amazing. I had never been given permission just to, you know, whatever came up emotionally, just to allow it to get as big as it wanted to be, that the way to heal whatever was coming and the dis-ease emotionally and physically for me was about allowing it to let it get as big as it wanted to be. And I just, it was like a fish to water. I absolutely adored it. 
Um, and, but after the first breath work, it took me about a year to integrate all the experience that came with that. Um, I, it was a year later before I did another breath work, which is an important element of the work is the time to integrate the experiences that come. And about two years later, I suddenly had, I, I, I did, I was active in dream work from the Jungian perspective. I have a sister who is a Jungian and um, I had a, a dream that really gave me a message that I should go and do the training for this work, which in the moment would seem very illogical from a cognitive perspective because I had, was practicing in a busy medical practice. But I went ahead and did it. And in the in the course of the two years that I did the training, um, afterward, they were beginning to do an apprenticeship program and they invited me to come in. And within a year of apprenticing with them, um, they asked me to join the staff. And so I was part of the staff for many years. I've been with them for, I guess it's over 20 years. And um, that kind of evolved into being a teacher and an advisor to the training. Um, and so it became its own profession for wow. me. I still practice medicine and on, in addition to doing um, work with the whole Trevor Breathwork training. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm sorry. What, what was the dream aspect you talked about? Thanks. I haven't heard about that before. Yeah. Well, I had a, just a dream um, and I, I work with my dreams, you know, from a Jungian perspective, dreams are no different than any work in enhanced states of awareness, whether it's holotropic, psychedelics, it's information coming from the unconscious. From the Jungian perspective, dreams give you information that you're unconscious or unaware of. And so in the dream, I had this elderly woman come to me with a whole pile of books and she handed them to me. And then she walked through this door. And when I went to follow her, she turned and she said, no, you need to study first. And she walked through. And so in the process, I worked with a, my, uh, someone who works with dreams. I worked with the dream. And what came to me was the fact that I should do this training. It, it, I know that it, from a cognitive perspective, that might see, not seem linked. But for me, interpersonally, it did. Mm. And uh, yeah, so that's when I started it. Oh, wow. I've been, I, it's just a, a very strange tangent there, just because I woke up this morning, I said to my girlfriend, I had, had the same dream I've been having for 20 years. So since I ah. left university, this same dream just keeps coming up and up in my head. And I've just thought, oh, is that just one of those things that happens to us? Uh, but now I'm thinking, is there something going on there that I need to, because it's, it's a very bizarre one. It's just about me and my friends at uni. And I always felt a bit like I was being left out of the, the kind of the three of us. And it just comes up every now, every now and again, maybe three times a year it'll come up. So, uh, yeah, I've never thought yeah. about looking into that more. That's uh, Yeah, from the, young, from the Jungian, I know we're on a tangent, but yeah, if no, you don't mind, no, no, yes, from please, the Jungian yeah. perspective, those sort of reoccurrent dreams particularly usually have some deep-seated meaning for you personally. Mm. So it, what's what's... It, from a holotropic perspective also, see, each of us, whatever's coming individually for us from the unconscious is specific to us. Mm. So even with dream work, I'm always careful about dream analysis that says, oh, just read the book and see what the symbol is. Mm. Now, that can be helpful, but it's also very specific to you right. because it's coming from your unconscious, from your 
psyche. Mm. And so that sounds like something you might want to work with. I, I think so, because it's the first time I verbalized <laughs> actually outside of me and my partner, because it's just one of these things that, oh, I had the dream again, or a version of the dream again. And it was only so I think, I've been having that dream for 20 years, for two decades. So, okay, I will make a note to, to look into that. Thank you for that. Um, You're welcome. So if we, if we sidestep back into to holotropic, for, for my benefit and for the audience, what is holotropic breathing? Well, literally, the word holotropic means moving towards wholeness. It was coined by the psychiatrist Stanislav Grof. He is originally from Prague, Czechoslovakia, and he and his wife created, the late Christina Grof, he and his wife created this technique. Mm -hmm. So it comes with, I'm just going to dive into the history. Yes, please. So so Stan is well known. He's written many books. Um, He grew up in the Czech Republic, and he uh, began his early career, um, he wanted to be an animator for Disney. He's an artist. And a friend of his gave him a book um, written by uh, Sigmund Freud. And he stated, he was so fascinated with it. He, he, when he speaks of it, he says he stayed up all night and read the whole thing. And it shifted his perspective. He decided to become a psychiatrist, a Freud, uh, Freudian analysis. So, of course, he had to go to medical school. It was a, quite a journey. Mm-hmm. And uh, during his med- medical school training, he had to see a Freudian analysis as a client. And he became a little disillusioned with how slowly that process happened. About that time, um, he was working with the psychiatric department, and they received a package from Sandoz Laboratory, which was LSD-25. Right. And so they were one of the early institutions that did the early tr- um, studies with LSD, uh, which was created by Albert Hoffman. Um, he felt like he had accidentally uh, self-inoculated himself with this substance in the lab and had had this incredible experience and realized, wow, this could be very therapeutic. Mm. But so from those observations, Stan did many, many um, sessions with artists, teachers, students, you know, they had volunteers. He would sit with them through the whole session. Mm. And a couple of the things he noticed is at the end of the long session, those sessions are long, like seven hours or so, he would notice that people would begin to breathe a little deeper and faster, or if they felt incomplete, they would spontaneously go into deeper and faster breathing. And then something would become, would come either some catharsis, a memory, an emotional release, some, something came and that would complete the session. Mm-hmm. Um, now with holotropic breathwork, there is a type of, we call it body work, we sometimes call it emotional release work that sometimes we uh, support people with. Yes. And that also came from his observations. So at the end of the session, he would ask the individual, how are you doing? And they would say, you know, I'm having this weird pain in my shoulder. It wasn't there when I came. Would you mind just putting your hand there and I'm going to see what happens? Mm-hmm. And so he would, and they might, you know, gently push up on his hand and he would just support them. He wouldn't do anything. He would just support him. And again, a memory would come, a release of some sort. So he, he's a very scientific man. So we keep these observations like, huh, what I love about Stan is all of this came from his observations. Mm-hmm. And then when you speak to him, he'll say, hmm, isn't that interesting? Like he's, he's got this big observation of 
the human psyche and people's experiences in nonary states or enhanced states of awareness, whether it's breath work or psychedelics. Mm. So he began to keep notes. He, about that time, was invited to come to Baltimore, to Johns Hopkins, and he continued his studies there um, with people dying of cancer using LSD. And about that time, LSD became illegal in the United States. He serendipitously was invited to become a scholar in residence at Big Sur in California and at Esalen. And he went there, decided with the turn of the political nature with LSD, he went ahead and he began to put together, he had the time and space to, to look at all the observations from his research, both with with that both places with Prague and at Prague and um, uh, Maryland. And that's about the time he met his wife, his not then wife, but soon to be wife, Christina Groff. And together they begin to put together month long um, invitationals. They'd have people come for a month long from all over the world. And that's what Esalen was like. It was a, this group of people who had ideas that were trying to, you know, support people to do self-discovery. Yes, yes. And so um, Christina had a history with, uh, with yoga. She was a yogi. And so she had a practice of her own, both spiritually and breathing. And it was a spiritual practice. It wasn't like yoga, like a lot of Americans, at least here, practice where, you know, you go yes. to a yoga class and that's the end of it. Yes. And so together... They began to run these month longs and they kept notes. They did observations. They, if you spoke to them, now Christina Graf has passed and Stan has had a stroke. So his, his verbal skills are not there as well anymore. Right. So it's difficult to speak to him but, uh, or to hear him. But at the time they were both alive and doing well, they would always say they felt like they were midwives of the work, right. that it wasn't like, something came and they channeled it. It all came from their own personal experiences and also their observations of working with individuals in non-ordinary states of consciousness or enhanced states of awareness. And that's even the fact that we do holotropic breathwork in pairs came very serendipitously because Stan hurt his back while gardening at Esalen and they had a big group coming and they were like, what are we going to do? And they were like, okay, let's put people in pairs. One will be the sitter. One will be the breather. We'll coach the sitters on how to, if the breather needs support, and then we won't have to do the work. Mm -hmm. And what, what grew out of that was this incredible experience of the sitters being witness, not, not being the doer, but just being witness, holding space, keeping another person safe mm -hmm. was their experiences the feedback they got was that that was in itself was a healing experience and so that's how holotropic breath work basically the technique of it developed wow. over years and years again from the early observations of stan through um his research in lsd with lsd wow what an incredible story and and, and then so maybe had lsd not been made illegal maybe it would have gone down the potentially different route I guess we would probably would always have found it but it's interesting isn't it, how one event then triggers another event to happen wow okay uh, that's exactly right yeah 
So it's sometimes these things are uh, a bit of a blessing sometimes, aren't they, when they happen, because they force us to go. And I keep thinking about that. I know I don't talk too much about lockdowns and pandemics and stuff, but I am thinking, what what's the blessing? What's the opportunity right now? Okay, we've got a bit of right. a bit of time to think about our lives. Let's pause and think about where we're trying to go and you know things like this podcast and talking to people like you has has been my blessing from 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 the kind of covid lockdown but uh, no that, that's lovely that's really interesting actually so that's the that's the background of where it came from what yes. what does it look like today what what what's the holotropic world look like right now well that's a good question because of course with the pandemic it's since you brought it up it's you know created some challenges around doing breath work in a group mm. because you do do breath work in person in a group mm. that is the best way to do it um you can it can be done of course one-on-one so you have a facilitator and a breather um but the the group aspect is is extremely important and so i'm just going to jump into this because yes, i think please. this is a really important piece yes. a couple of really important pieces to re that distinguish holotropic breath work from other breath works is this, that, that what Stan observed is that each of us within us has within us a sort of an innate healing wisdom, something that's because often people would come into a session with some sort of like they were having a problem in their life. So they're like, ah, this is probably going to happen. You know, I'm probably going to get information about this situation. And then when they did the breath work, something completely different would show up. Now, why would it be if the psyche, you know, if you think consciously, oh, this is what's going on for me, Mm -hmm. but then something completely different comes up. Stan always thought that was interesting. And the same was true in the psychedelic sessions. When they did interviews, people would have an issue in their life thinking in, in, when you work with plant medicine or psychedelics, oftentimes you use the intention like you make an intention, like, oh, I, this is really up for me. I'm going to work with it. Now, that doesn't guarantee that that information around that intention will happen. And he always thought that was interesting. And what he found is that for each of us within us, there seemed to be this sort of innate wisdom around what was most important. Like almost like I'm going to use a medical analogy because that's where I come mm-hmm. from. It's almost like an abscess. Like if you have an abscess in the system, and it, given the, the opportunity for it to come to the surface and erupt, we don't know what information is going to come. Mm. And it's almost like that in the psyche. So if we've had past histories of trauma or of life events that were significant to us, and then we sort of pack them away and they're not in our, in our awareness anymore, but that doesn't mean they're not there. Mm. And we spend a lot of energy sort of holding down because for many reasons, all kinds of survival reasons. We don't want that information to come up, right? The psyche is all about how to keep us safe, how to keep us in a survival. We have that part of our brain that is about surviving, Mm. being safe. But there is also this inner wisdom that brings when we're open ourselves. And that's what holotropic breathwork is really about surrender. It's about opening ourselves to whatever wants to come. It's about not having an agenda and being with what comes. And we breathe into it, allow it to come, the experiences, the information, the reliving, not just the remembering. It's not just a cognitive practice, but it's actually a reliving of life situations. And the map of the psyche stand observed from all these studies was that it was bigger than the biographical. So Jung, um, 
Freud, especially Freud, you know, he said, you know, at birth, our, our psyche is a tabula rasa, like a blank slate. And everything that happens to us after that is what informs us. Well, what we, what the, he observed in the holotropic breathwork is that we actually, people reported, he's not saying this is true. He's yes. saying people reported that they would have information come about things that happened during the, their time in the uterus of their mother, um, during the birthing process, that the birthing process itself was traumatic in nature. And I don't know if you have children or if you've observed a live birth, no. but it, it's, it's really something. I mean, to think that that baby doesn't have some sort of influence from that experience is absolutely, if you've ever seen it, you know, it, it just doesn't make any sense. And that certainly is what people, when they relive those experiences in the, or in the holotropic breathwork, not everybody does, but if they do, they realize, ah, oh, wow, that's connected to how they begin to see their life patterns connected to their birthing experience, to the bigger part of themselves. So the map of the psyche that Stan spoke of is, you know, the perinatal, the biographical, usually guided around the traumas that we experience, whether it's traumas like things that happened to us or the things that we really needed emotionally, physically, uh, that we didn't receive. And they all seem to be linked with a certain sort of emotional or physical energy, whether it's abandonment or, you know, um, aloneness or not feeling a part of. Mm some sort of common denominator. And we unconsciously in our life will move through our life sort of searching for our happiness outside ourselves. Now, the contribution of this piece to the holotropic perspective, in my opinion, came mostly from Stan's uh, protege of the late uh, Tav Sparks. Um, he, he took on the training when Stan and Christina they really weren't interested in training people. They were much more interested in writing books, doing lectures, traveling, mm -hmm. putting the information out there. So Tav and Carrie Sparks took over the training from them. And Tav really emphasized the importance of this, this tool of as long as we as individuals keep looking for our happiness outside ourselves. So if we say these to ourselves, if only I had more money, I'd yes. be happier. Yes. If only I had the right boyfriend or partner, I'd be happy. If only I had the perfect car, I would be so happy. Now, these things from the outside world will bring us temporary happiness. But he, he would describe it as the Buddha problem. So what does that mean? The Buddha problem is suffering comes from longing, right? We want something. We, so as soon as we are longing for it, we're suffering because we want it. The minute we get it, we're like, oh, I finally have it. I'm happy. But then what happens? Oh my gosh, what if I lose it? Mm -hmm. And then we start worrying about losing it. Okay. So th this endless empty place in us that is, you know, is looking for happiness. And what we see in these wor the work with non-ordinary states or holotropic breath work in these is that we let go of that outside world. We go in and we begin to see connections between our life, birth, perinatal experiences, and how that seems to motivate and sort of, in, sort of impact, sort of leave a stamp in our psyche around 
the way we walk through the world, our needs that aren't met, and we try to get them met in an unconscious way. So what the holotropic breathwork really, in my opinion, is, is this, this sort of life strategy. It's a principle that, you know, yes, it's great to have a beautiful meal. And a beautiful meal, I feel satisfied. I feel, you know, cared about. There's, it has emotions involved, you know, all these things. But that is temporary. Yes. And if that's the thing I'm only going to look for to make me, make me happy, I am going to be disappointed. And that's, you know, for a lot of people in the world, that's what brings why a lot of people are depressed, anxious. And I agree with you. I think this pandemic, because we've completely, literally had to stop the outside world, right? Yes. We had to come in closed. We had to be with ourselves. Now, a lot of people are having trouble with this. Yes. And I'm not surprised because we have, it's almost like the universe <laughs> said, uh-uh, you have to turn inside right now. You have to let go of the outside world because we're going to force you to look inside. And I agree with you. What an opportunity. And it's not the same for everyone. I'm not trying to make this little because some people don't have money for food. Some people don't have a home. Mm. I mean, some people have had great loss and they're suffering greatly. And I'm not trying to belittle that Mm -mm. at all. But I'm just saying, yes, it can be an opportunity for many of us to begin to Stop looking outside ourselves for our happiness and take a moment, take a breath, you know, pull in our support systems and really have a moment to go, wait, what's really happening here? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, there's a film with Tom Hanks that came out recently called A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood. Have you had a chance to see that? I have not seen uh, it. Okay. Well, there's, I, I'd never heard of this uh, gentleman called Mr. Rogers before, but I gather in America he's quite famous from what I can... He was, yeah. yes. Uh, I was passed. I didn't know he'd passed. Um, but there was a bit where I, I did some... I went on YouTube after I'd finished seeing the film and I thought, oh, just see what he was really like in real life. How, how good was Tom Hanks? And there was a Charlie Rose interview. I think he must have done it. It looked like it was the 90s. Um, so, you know, or may, maybe early 2000s, but I think late 90s. Uh, and he's been interviewed and he said something like, I'm going to butcher it now, but he said something like, I'm really worried about the people today because we've become so obsessed with data and we're, we're no longer, I think he said something like, we're no longer spending time on reflection. And, and he said it much more beautifully than that. And I thought, oh my gosh, he's saying that sort of 20, 30 years ago before we even had a smartphone in our hand and we're constantly scrolling, trying to fill our, our brains with more and more data when we're not pausing and, and trying to be bored. He just, he just reminded me of that as, as you were talking then. So um, no, I, I just think, oh, that's, that's really interesting. Take a breath. And you're absolutely right as well. There, there are people really hurting right now all over the planet mm-hmm. and people have lost people close to them. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's still very, very serious. And I think it's just... It's up to each of us to go, is there an opportunity here to, to do something different with our lives? Can we That's pause? Right. But yeah, I equally agree. There's some some pain there. Um, when it comes to um, holotropic breathing, is there a lot of different breathwork modalities or does it does that mean one thing because I don't know does it mean there's like different sometimes it's like breathing fast and sometimes it's breathing slow sometimes there's different rhythms could you just explain what actually is going on or is there loads of different variations of holotropic breathwork yeah well there so the short answer is yeah there are because it's coming from each of us individually Mm. so in other words the facilitator of the work they're just creating a safe space for the breather Mm. but so 
if I'm laying today, I lay down on a mat and I breathe, the, the general strategy is to breathe a little bit deeper and a little bit faster than your normal breath. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter if you breathe through your nose or your mouth. And I know there's a lot of people out there that say, no, you have to breathe through your nose. But see, this, what's really strategically important about this work is that everything is guided from you as an individual. Right. We as facilitators, 100%. So, you know, we know that you have an inner own personal inner healing wisdom. So if you're, if, so you start out just breathing deeper and faster as if you're breathing from the bottom of your feet to the top of your head with no space in between the in breath and the out. So it's almost like a circular breath. Now, in the course of the breathing, you might spontaneously start breathing a little deeper, a little different. You might hold your breath. It just happens spontaneously. Now, that's up to you and your inner guide, your inner wisdom to decide. We as facilitators, how would we know what's right for you? We would never know what was right for you. Job is so what we tell people is breathe deeper and faster with no space in between until something happens. Mm-hmm. And no matter what happens in your experience, you can always come back to the breath. Now, People have challenges with the breath. So sometimes they call us over and say, you know, I'm having trouble staying with the breath. How can you help me? And we might make some suggestions like, well, how about I put my hand on your shoulder and, you know, or I can breathe with you for a little while just to support you. But we are never the, the expert of how one person breathes. So yes, some people are breathing like they're out for a hard run. We trust that's right for them. Other people literally take two or three deep breaths and they're in an experience. It's amazing how close to the surface information is. And one beautiful metaphor I always use is road rage. I don't know if you have road rage there, but you know how people are driving and then they just like, they're literally just flip their lid. They're like, okay, that's how close to the surface people's angst is how close to the surface their emotion and so it oftentimes does not take much breath just to for something to come forward and so yes there is no hard and fast rules except to breathe a little deeper and a little faster than the normal breath and trust if there's a shift in the breath that has wisdom stay with it mm. i am um, I, I i are you familiar with wim hof and the wim hof technique Mm-hmm. I, I, I've, a little I, bit. I've never done it. Okay, so so I I did a, a retreat a few years ago now, and I know the different modalities, but it'd be good to just get maybe just your thoughts actually. So, um, what it tends to be is thirty deep breaths, and then there's a retention or a pause where on the out breath you, you mm-hmm. hold, um, and you do several rounds of that. But when we were all together, there was twenty of us in the room, and then at one point sixty of us, and we were all doing it, and we did it for probably about 45 minutes to an hour and a half. I, I don't actually remember how long it was. It's one of those things where you just lose track of time. Um, and I had these incredible visuals. So, so, so before that, I started laughing, uncontrollable laughter. Uh, and then after that, I started crying. And on a couple of these different occasions, um, the, I wasn't feeling sad, but there was just tears coming out. And then a little bit later, I just had these wonderful visualizations where I had essentially an eye. You know, we talk about the third eye. I had the I had the third eye, and I was kind of having a chat with it, where I was like, mm-hmm. and, and it was kind of saying to me, "Hello, it's really nice that you've made it here." 
okay and that was really it cheers then and it kind uh-huh. of just went I was like and, and still to this day I can't really make any sense of what happened there so I don't know if you, I know it's a different modality but I don't know there might be a little bit of overlap so if you could share anything it would be wonderful to hear your thoughts yeah well may I ask you a question mm. so how did you feel with that experience after the experience I would have said to you before that I was a strong atheist uh, and uh-huh. I've now gone to the point where saying there's I think there's something out there but I'm not sure what but I'm not closed off to it so that was yeah. that was a big shift to me whereas I didn't know you know we live we die that's it uh, and I've yeah. gone to that other point and I'm going oh I think there's something more and that's quite exciting so that, yeah. yeah yeah and may I ask one more question how has it influenced your daily life uh it has made I've never got back to that point again and, and part of me's never felt the need to go to that that point actually uh-huh. interesting to what you said earlier where you left it a year um but it's influenced me hugely because I got obsessed with breath work I, I started putting things on YouTube I'm having conversations with people like you so that really yeah. was the kind of start of that that journey for me into okay what else can I do with the breath and there's something here so I don't know if that answers the question but it, it's got me to this point today where I'm, I'm having a conversation with you on zoom so <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. yeah, which to me, in from the whole trip perspective, would be wow, good for you. Like you made a connection to something that had significance for you, that shifted your whole life perspective, mm. basically, mm. and your and how you be in the world. Yes. Well, I mean, some people meditate in caves for decades to get to that place. Some mm. people, you know, do therapy or they do to get, you know, and you got it in one breath work. I mean, that to me is important. Mm. There's a great uh, Western um, uh, Vipassana teacher, insight meditation teacher here in the United States by the name of Jack Kornfield. And he said that holotropic breathwork is like meditating on a freight train. Like, you know, you're going to get information quickly. Yes. Um, and that is the important piece of what you just described as the integration. So the my 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 projection on what you've just shared and how it influenced you. I mean, how would I know? Right. But my projection on it would be that, um, you know, you had some sort of knowing of some sort of some, you know, third eye, something, another aspect that then motivated you to do something different. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, I mean, that doesn't happen that many times mm. in people's lives. And you trusted it. Yes. I mean, you, ran, you, you dove into it full force with, I'm assuming, no doubt, because you're, you're into it. Yes. I mean, that, good on you. I mean, you trusted yourself. Like, how many times do we trust ourselves in our daily life? Mm. Not a lot. I mean, I don't know about you, but most people... We're like, oh, is that right? Yes. Oh, what if that's something bad? Happened? Yeah, we doubt, we start worrying, we, but you didn't. You went, oh, wow, I'm not sure what this means, but I'm going for it. Yeah. I mean, that's great. It, it wasn't all plain sailing, I should say, because um, no. I, I think this is year four or five, not 2016. Yes, year four. Um, so I, I, I had to quit my job eventually and I did some, some, uh, uh, visualizations on if I don't quit my job what's that going to do to hold me back and so, so it's been a process it, I'd love of to course. say I, I had one visualization I was like yes I've got the answers but no 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 and and, and I think now again I'm, I'm at that point where I'm thinking 
do I need to go back and do something else? I feel like the time's ready now to kind of go a bit deeper. I always struggled with the mouth breathing. I always Mm -hmm. found it very, very um, laborious, like a real chore to do the mouth breathing. But recently I've started using the nose for this sort of stuff. And it just just feels so much more natural. And I know, as you said, I know it's different for every person. But for me, it's it's almost effortless now to do a deep breathing session using the nose. Whereas with the mouth, um, and also I was told four years ago, my diaphragm just wasn't moving. It was completely solid. It was all, you know, all, all upper chest breathing. But I know, again, it's, it's different for each person. So what, what advice could you give to somebody like myself that's thinking, well, what's next? And I know we're in pandemic time right now, so there probably isn't a lot of classes mm-hmm. we can go to and stuff. But what, what advice could you give in terms of maybe next steps in breath work? Well, certainly uh, things to consider and for the listeners out there also. What's really important about this work, it, it, with, whether it's holotropic or any breath work, is the set and setting and the safety around it. And there's Stan and anybody who works with enhanced states of awareness will oftentimes write that needs three parts to it in order for it to be therapeutic. Because if not, it can just be re-traumatizing, mm-hmm. okay? And one is the preparation, understanding the map of the psyche, what experience can happen, working with, you know, being supported by someone who has an understanding of work in non-neuro states. So, the session itself, having a, someone who's experienced, who can keep you safe, that where you can just, again, surrender and let go as deeply as possible into the experience, go to the depths of it. Mm-hmm. And the third part is the integration. And part of the integration, I love what you just said, is like, listen, this wasn't all roses. I had to, you know, quit my job. I had to, and is taking time with those big decisions. Mm-hmm. Like some people will get insights in their breath works. And they'll say, oh, I've got to sell all my things and move to India. Well, okay, hold on. You know, give yourself time to really be with that. And if six months down the road, that's still a good idea, go for it, okay? Mm -hmm. But it's about having the support, someone who works in non-ray space to be able to talk to, like, wow, you know, I'm having these dreams now. The dreams are getting more vivid. Mm -hmm. And, you know, someone who, who has a bigger idea of the psyche because some of these experiences can really from a very traditional medical model of psychiatry or psychology would look like psych would look like psychopathology so you it's really important for individuals to be held and understood as they begin to work with the integration of these experiences with someone who has a, a bigger perspective of the human psyche not a narrow perspective this is all about being held in a big way. Yes. So I, I trust if you're feeling like, wait, I think I need something, trust it. See, this is about us learning to trust ourselves, trust that inner knowing. Mm. And, and I'd say, you know, it doesn't matter. Like if you feel it's really important for individuals, I tell them this all the time. Listen, I love holotropic breath work, but this may not be the thing for you. Mm. Trust yourself. What's more important is you go, oh, I think I'm going to try this modality that just something in me really wants me to do it. Go for it. But just make sure it has good set and setting with lots of support. That's the most important thing. The preparation, the session and integration, and then you're covered, Mm -hmm. whether it's holotropic, whether it's Wim Hof, whether it's whatever it is. Okay. I, I love this modality particularly because it's all guided by you. Okay. We, the, it's, it's like this radical empowerment that we, that grows from our experiences of trusting ourselves. 
radical in self-empowerment. We begin to stop looking for experts outside of ourselves to tell us what we need to do mm -hmm. to make ourselves healthy, healthy and happy. We trust ourselves. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we become empowered human beings in the world. I love that. I, I love that piece as well around just trust. How how do you feel you want to breathe today in this session? I, I absolutely love that. Whereas sometimes we get too caught up on it's 30 of this and 20 of this and four minutes of this and, and all of this kind of rigid, I don't know if it's left or right brain, I was getting confused. I think it's left brain thinking around, mm -hmm. you know, we need That's to be right. very specific. Let's get a spreadsheet out and time everything. And actually, no, no, let's just do what feels right at the time what what, what okay. out of interest what, what sort of things do you do what, what do you do you have like a daily breathwork practice or a weekly thing and what what, what sort of aspects of, of breathwork do you take part in well i certainly do it, it's i'm conscious of my breath i mean i usually start my breath and i and i do a ritual around i have a small i'd call it like a sacred space i have a few things on it and i just go okay inner healing wisdom i'm here and whatever comes, because see, we're not alone in this, right? We're part of a collective. Mm -hmm. There's even a collective unconscious. Jung, Jung spoke of it, right? The collective unconscious, the transpersonal realm. And you said something like, well, isn't that interesting? Like, maybe this pandemic was really about us turning in. Well, I agree with you. Like, we're not alone in this. Mm -hmm. I mean, from my experience, and many of us have the experience that we are interconnected. Like there's no coincidence in my opinion that you and I started this conversation about a dream. And then you're like, oh, well, I have this dream. Like yeah. to me, it's like our, 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 our collective inner healing wisdom conspiring like, ah, Mike and Diana, let's see what we can do for both their growth. Yes. Not just for you, but for me. Yes. Like we're in this together. Very cool. And what we find in this work is that we find that we're more interconnected. No matter what corner of the world we're in, we are interconnected. Mm. And so that's a different perspective than a lot of people in the world, right? They the, have the power. They know what's right. They know, okay, but that's actually not our experience. Each of us knows what's right, and we're connected, mm. and we're awake. So every morning I go, okay, inner healing wisdom, I'm going to be as awake to all the coincidences that come my way that aren't really coincidences for my own growth and understanding and happiness. And then I take a deep breath and I walk out the door mm -hmm. and I try to will myself to be aware. I will. I, I'm very interested as an adjunct to the whole trip of breathwork into the, all the neurobiological studies around mindfulness and compassion and self-compassion. I teach a module with the holotropic breathwork training around this, how we can do a practice of mindfulness and self-compassion as a daily practice to sort of change the neurobiology of the brain from our past traumas. I think for me, that goes hand in hand with the breath, with you know the holotropic breathwork for me, because that's my interest. So I follow what my interest is. For some people, it's shamanism. They might suddenly decide I've got to go to Peru or I have to, you know, get into drumming. I want to like, and it's like, trust it. Mm. There is some reason that that's important for you. And so I don't do a big, you know, we don't recommend doing holotropic breath work alone because this is really about having the support to go as deep as possible. And um, so holotropic, I want to be really clear. Holotropic is either done individually with another person sitting 
being a support to you, mm-hmm. uh, who's been trained, mm-hmm. and then or we do it in groups. Now, the important part about doing it in groups is we can be sort of, remember how I said there's this collective inner healing wisdom. So let's say this is my day to work on some sort of issue around my childhood. And someone in the room suddenly starts saying something across the room because they're in the middle of an experience. And I'm starting to get agitated. And I'm like, what? I wish they'd just shut up, you know? And it, but what do we do? We don't, it's not about what's going on out there. It's about what's going on inside. Mm-hmm. And so we focus on why am I agitated? What? And we ask ourselves these important questions. Have I felt this way before? Is this feeling familiar to me? Okay, that's how we, we can use those two questions every moment of our life when we feel a dis-ease, either emotionally or physically. We go, wait a minute, this is important. Have I felt this way before? Is this familiar to me? And oh yeah, my whole life. And then we kind of look at our life history and go, oh yeah, oh, that's the noise. Those are the words that I heard at this moment when this happened. Now there's no coincidence that that person was supposed to be at that workshop with me. And then their process, they started verbalizing something that triggered me, right? right? And so that's the important piece about doing it in a group. It kind of thickens the plot. It makes things more interesting because then we have more triggers, more that our inner healing wisdom collectively and individually, they're just like, okay, let's really do this thing. Let's see what really wants to come up. Yes. And so we do these in groups with the three components of preparation, session, integration. And um, kind of lost my train of thought. I'm so sorry. So, oh, for me. So that's it. Mm. I, every single day, I will myself to be aware. I, even if, even if I don't understand what that third eye thing, what that thing is, I go, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you are, but I'm going to just open myself to whatever this journey is really about. Yes. And then be aware, will ourselves to be aware. Oh, I love that. A cu- couple of bits that you just tr- reminded me of. Number one is that the, the Wim Hof, Wim, the, ooh, I put my teeth back in. The Wim Hof retreat was wonderful, but the people were what made it, and not the, not necessarily the instructors, the group. And so one That's of right. that one of that group now, we are we are best friends, and we speak every day and we have done almost for four years and we bonded over that and that, that was a wonderful gift and, and the rest of the group we've got kind of you know group chats and all those those wonderful things and the other thing just as you were saying you know here's you and I connecting here's us talking about dreams is there a, you know what what's going on there you reminded me of something actually what what really started me personally my, my kind of journey into all of this wonderful stuff uh, was I read Steve Jobs book um, and he, I know he, he had taken part in I think he'd done LSD a number of times and he'd been to India uh, and I was just obsessed I think I read that book four times maybe even five times I think mm-hmm. I listened to it and then from that book even though it's quite techy there's a lot about Steve's background um, from that was where I then started listening to a bit of Alan Watts and then I found Joe Rogan and then through that was Wim Hof and so I've really thought a few times all right can I trace back where, where did the kind because you know in modern society most people are very much no no I go to work I have a mortgage I get married uh, I don't do anything that's a bit strange. You know, I watch TV and I go to bed and if I live a great life, I can do all of that and, you know, I can die at whatever age and, and that, that's life. And I, I remember always thinking, there must be something more. There's more than this. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then you kind of, as a child, you get stamped out, oh, there's no magic. There is just this, you know, there's nothing else. But then from that journey of um, Steve and 
I always get the guy's name wrong, but I think it was Neem Karoli Baba he went to try and visit, or mm-hmm. I think he just died. And um, that that kind of, for me, that book was the gift that kind of, I opened that and that took me to this point today in this conversation with you. So I thought, I thought I'd just share that because it's an interesting kind of connection back to LSD and connections. Absolutely. And, yeah. And what an amazing thing that you trusted that. Mm. You trusted that knowing. That's the big thing. Yes. Someone didn't come and go, oh, well, that's just stupid or, you know, that didn't try to suppress you. Yes. But you had enough knowing, trust in your own wisdom to go, yeah, like I really need, there's something about this book and you trusted it and you read it and then you move forward and, and, you know, who knows what's next Mm. for you, right? Mm. And that is significant. And that's true for all of us. It's not special just to one of us. All of us have access to that, mm. that inner knowing, if we can trust it. Yeah, it, it's hard, isn't it? Because we have so much self-doubt uh, and it's always that piece, isn't it, around self-love is the first love. And, you know, and it, but it's so hard, isn't it? Because we, we've got that inner voice, which isn't always that kind to us. And we have to be careful no, with that inner voice right. and, uh, you know, keep it in its, keep it in its little, little area. Um, why do you think we have the gift of conscious breath? Well, I think we as human beings, I mean, uh, many spiritual texts speak of it, Mm. whether it's prana, you know, chi. I mean, all this great spiritual traditions speak of breath. I think it's the Bible that says, you know, uh, God gave Adam life by breath, right? He gave him his first breath. So breath has a lot of different connotations around spirit. Mm. I think with time, we've just forgotten We've just, it's a, it's, and that's what happens for a lot of us, right? Because of all the busyness and trying to get everything we need from the outside world as we lose connection to our own physical bodies. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that if you ask them, how does it feel to be in your body? They can't answer it Mm. because they're, they're not actually connected to their physical body. Well, the breath is the, in my opinion, and many spiritual texts will speak of it, is the connection between the soul, the mind, and the body. It's what connects us. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's just we've forgotten. And, you know, it, and it's okay. Historically, from the Western civilization, that idea of the sort of ancient traditions around spirituality, um, ways of healing from the shamanic perspective or others' perspectives were seen as archaic and pathological. So we have that, right? We're part of a collective, but now we're having a remembering, Mm. a reawakening of that memory of that collective part that is, in my opinion, what's going to save us. And in, in my opinion, this is just me, Diana Medina, and people who do lots of work in enhanced states of awareness feel the same. They report oftentimes that this is our hope, is our remembering of our interconnectedness for the world, Yes. right? That the person who is in another part of the world suffering, we don't go, oh, that's just their problem. We go, wait, we're connected. Yes. This is important. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, there's, there's so much that I feel like, and, and I know we get our own echo chambers of what we look at online, and, and mine's very much around this, but it's around this kind of ancestral uh, we've lost it. We've forgotten it. So the examples would be things like we don't get enough daylight. We don't touch our feet on the earth. You know, we mm-hmm. sit all day. We stare at screens. We don't touch people. You know, we've lost that connection of touch. Uh, we're eating soft foods. We're eating the wrong foods. And, you know, the list goes on and on and on. 
pesticides, chemicals. Uh, and it's very easy to put all that in a box and go, oh, that's a bit woo-woo. That's a bit crazy. Mm-hmm. But actually, mm-hmm. the more you think about it and the more you read into it, the more you think, oh God, what's going on here? We're just, we're moving further and further away from where we should be. But then it's nice to see that there's people online and there's books and there's videos about saying, no, no, you need to stand more. You need to eat great foods that's really, you know, organic and good for you. You need to get daylight onto your skin. You can't just sit indoors all day. You know, you need to breathe properly using your diaphragm. Anyway, all these different things. So I'm very excited by that movement that seems to be gaining more traction now. And breath is definitely part of it, I feel, about connecting with the breath again and, and all these sorts of wonderful things. And you, you can just see it with when you go onto YouTube. You know, it's not just my channel. Breathwork seems to be getting bigger and bigger and bigger wherever you look. It's it's one of those things like, you know, maybe 20 years ago, there wasn't many people talking about yoga. And, and obviously that's just that's right. so, so common now, isn't it? What do you think that the future might look like in terms of breathwork or, 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 or holotropic? Where do you think it might go post-pandemic? Any, any ideas? Yeah, well, certainly with the training, we are still, we're, we are doing the didactic material online on Zoom. We're hoping, you know, depends on the world, but some parts of the world, like I just did a breathwork uh, training for a group in Mexico, and there, this very small community, they decided to come together. They they didn't have a lot of cases of COVID in that community, and they did the breathwork. They went ahead and did it. I know there's a group in Austria that are doing the same. They're being careful. But they're also, you know, being mindful around like, okay, we don't have very many cases. Let's go for it. And everybody's is agreement like, okay, I'm going to keep myself safe, but I'm willing to take this risk. So I, uh, my feeling is, I mean, from, I think, you know, like most things in, in the world, this too shall pass. And I believe this is true of the pandemic. Now, I don't know how quickly it'll pass, but it'll pass. Um, one way or the other. Mm. And so I, I see it as, you know, I think we're going to be able to do holotropic breathwork in person together in groups, whether it's in 2021, I'm not sure, mm. I'm hoping, but I think this too shall pass. That's the nature of the waves of life as they ebb and flow. Yes. And the pandemic is, in my opinion, no different than that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, 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 oh, so go ahead. No, please. I was just going to say, um, I often, when I'm having a particularly tough day I'll often say to myself this like everything will pass uh, and, right. and the only constant is change because sometimes we go oh my gosh everything's so bad today I've got so much stress and you know job and blah, 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 all these different things think, yeah but we remember this in 10 weeks 10 months 10 years I always kind of take that perspective again you just reminded me of that um, so as we draw um, towards the end of our chat can I just say first of all I've absolutely loved it you've got a very uh, calming nurturing energy about you and, and it's definitely because I'm normally quite hyper on these uh, these podcasts <laughs> and it's definitely brought me down which is lovely by the way so thank you for that um if people want to know more about holotropic breathwork where would you point them you can go to the website it's www.holotropic.com you can find facilitators in any country that are certified you there's a calendar of upcoming online training events you do not have to join the training per se to participate um, there's a beautiful Jungian instructor that's going to be doing some work from the Jungian perspective with groups. Um, and so that's one way. And it's a great way. The European has a European, and I'm sorry, I don't have it off the top of my head. But if you do Holotropic Breathwork Europe, you can get a link, but you can also get the link from the U.S. website training. And that's Groff Transpersonal Training Program. If you just 
Google Groff Transpersonal Training Program, mm -hmm. you will get a link to find someone to do holotropic breathwork in the future or participate in some didactic information around it. Give the brain a little, I call it cognitive candy uh, information yeah. to, to sa satiate it until we can do breath work yes wonderful um guys i'll put the links in the description below so you can just go down there and, and click on them um diana anything we haven't covered you wanted to talk about i guess the biggest thing is trust yourself out there okay stay with the breath be conscious will yourself to be aware trust yourselves pull in all your support systems whether it's online however that looks we're going to get through all of this together yeah yeah. And thank you, Mike, so much for this time and your flexibility with my schedule. I appreciate it. No, no, no worries at all. It's, it's an absolute gift. Um, so I think we'll, let, let's let's end it there because that's a lovely sentiment. We're all in this together. Guys, thank you so much for watching. Um, Diana, thank you so much for your time. Check out the descriptions below. Uh, and until next time, everybody, take care. Thank you. Take care, everyone.